Shalom, peace. Shalom is Hebrew for peace. Shalom, which is close to shalem, or salem, which when you add another word, jeru, it becomes a lot more familiar. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city of peace, Jerusalem. But as we're going to talk about today with the conclusion of the story of David and Goliath, you cannot have peace without war, at least not total and complete peace, because as long as the devil is around, there is not total and complete peace. He needs to be defeated. There needs to be war. Welcome to Wasa Community Church, and today we'll be reading from 1 Samuel 17, verse 38, to 18, verse 5. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ready and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it, and it struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran over or ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistine saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath. 
and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. The people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, Inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him, the robe that was on him, and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you do. You are so amazing, and I thank you that you provided us with your word, with your truths, Jesus. And I pray that you would be with me today as I speak in the name of Jesus. Um, help me not to get distracted. Help me to uh, preach in a way that is um, easy to understand. Um, and in a way that honors you, Jesus. I pray that uh, even if it's hard to understand, Lord, that you would help us understand in the name of Jesus, that you would give us understanding of your word in the name of Jesus. If I say anything wrong or untrue, I pray that that would not be believed in the name of Jesus. I do not want to lead anyone astray, but I pray that your truth this morning would be remembered in the name of Jesus, and that they would be... Uh, acted upon as well in the name of Jesus, that what we would learn today wouldn't just simply be information, but it would be transformational, Lord, or at least that it would work something in our hearts, Lord, that you would be using it to work in our hearts, because, Lord, what is this without you? Like, if I'm just reading this, and I'm just saying what I've written, and you're not at work, then what is the point, Lord? What is the point? It's not going to have any impact. It's just information at that point. But God, I just pray that you would be working in our hearts to make it more than information in the name of Jesus. So thank you, God. Please be at work, because without you, what is this? What is the point? I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. It would be nice to just have peace. You know, why can't everyone just get along? There's so much conflict and enmity in the world. And I mean, as people, 
we don't agree on all the same things. And even if, even if we can agree on a lot, you know, selfishness does come into play. But how amazing would that be if, if that stopped? If we could have, let's say, world peace, or if we could have peace with our neighbors, you know, without having to resort to conflict or, 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 or war. Unfortunately, that's not the way things are. You know, in order to have peace, there must be war, because behind the scenes, there's this, this, this figure of the night, the, the old serpent, the devil, Satan. And without his defeat, there will not be total peace. He's not going to surrender. So when it's the enemy we're talking about, there must be war. And as we know from the book of Revelation, that war is won by Jesus and those who are on his side. But for those who cling to Satan, there is defeat. As we look at this story, we have David who is on God's side and Goliath who is God's enemy. And in the same way, for the one on God's side, there is victory for the one opposed to him, defying his people Israel. There is defeat. Young, small David, unarmored because he hasn't tested it, with just a, a sling to shoot stones with, faces off with the likely 9'9 giant with a 15-pound spearhead on a pole the size of a weaver's beam. If he aimed at the neck, I'm sure he could just take off the whole head. This is David versus Goliath. The weak versus the strong. But the strong God versus false, powerless gods. When, when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me, you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Powerless gods, gods that are going to let him down, gods that are going to let him be beaten by someone who could be half his size, who is but a sling and a rock when he, when he has a spear that's tip alone rivals the average sledgehammer. His gods are nothing. Dagon falls before the Ark of the Living God, and now his champion will fall to the hand of the young man who would be the new king over the people of the living God. And what better way to show worthiness to be his king than with a heart that is fully trusting in him, facing what seems to be an impossible battle from a man's point of view, knowing that in reality the God behind him is the true giant. The Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Goliath looks forward to killing David and having the birds pick at his corpse. But David looks forward to Goliath's flesh being the feast. And not just him, but his whole army. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. How many of you have seen a uh, movie or a show or read a book where the main character is faced up against their opposition for, for the big showdown and they come up confident, but, but not overly confident, and they have this battle and, and through much hardship in the fight, the main character finally does end up winning, but it's a close fight. I feel like I've seen that a lot of times. This is the complete opposite of that. This fight is lopsided. This fight is over so fast. David has so much confidence, confidence that is unwavering in the face of adversity, that he comes up with this huge speech about not only Goliath, but the entire army behind him. This small young man speaking to this huge, intimidating foe that every other soldier was afraid of, telling, them, uh, telling him and his army that they're going to lose. And then Goliath starts to move closer. So David runs closer as well, whips one rock out of his sling, and it hits Goliath in the head, and the fight is over just like that. That's it. Goliath is down. I don't even know if you can call that a battle or, or a fight. Is, is that a fight? Goliath couldn't do anything. He didn't even get a chance. And you'd expect that to be the other way around. Like if you think of you know a big person clapping, a uh, small mosquito, <laughs> if they hit it, right, it, it's over. Like that mosquito is gone, just like that. But David made Goliath, he made Goliath look like that mosquito. Clap and it's over. And a feast for the birds is coming. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David, highlighting, that, uh, highlighting what David said about the Lord not saving by sword or spear. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Uh, and when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, the city of peace. But he put his armor in his tent. After the battle, the head of the giant is brought to the city 
of peace. This war against the Philistines brought the nation of Israel for a time peace. And this is kind of a representative of that. But the Philistines would be back later. Uh, even in the days of Hezekiah, Israel is still fighting them. But for now, for now, there is a feast for the birds. And as David had brought about this feast, his descendant will one day bring about another. When Jesus, from the line of David, returns to earth, he's coming to make war. When John sees the future, he writes what he sees in the book of Revelation. And in chapter 19, he says this, and Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. So just like we, we saw David call out to Goliath that birds uh, would be fed by the flesh of him and his army, an angel will call out to all the birds that they will have plenty of food. They will eat from kings, captains, mighty men, slave and free, small and great, all who oppose the Lord like Goliath did. And then we see Jesus follow through. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Now again, this isn't the final battle. The nations would come back later, just like the Philistines did. Uh, this, this time, however, uh, you know, let's look at their defeat. Let's look at when they came back and were defeated again. Because even though we have this 
correlation between the birds feasting on Jesus' fallen enemies and the birds feasting on David's fallen enemies, and this reinforcement that those who oppose the Lord lose, I still want to look at the slaying of a giant, so to speak, the defeat of the prince of the power of the air. John continues in chapter 20, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Then threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. So Satan is going to be thrown into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, but as we just read, he is going to be released. Moving up a few verses, uh, it says, and when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan will be defeated. He will be thrown into the lake of fire, never to torment us who believe, us who are on God's side, ever again. It says forever and ever. Satan will be defeated forever. After the war to end all wars, after him and the ones who are on his side are defeated, then, then there will be total peace. And we will dwell in the new Jerusalem, a new, perfect, everlasting city of peace. God's side prevails. His enemies fail. David, who would, after the story, reign as king in the old Jerusalem, um, as we see in this story, he, he finishes as the head of Saul's man of war. Uh, we also see that because of this incident with Goliath and the Philistines, that David gains so much favor in Jonathan, uh, Saul's son's Eyes. This is where that great friendship begins. And nobody has a problem with him being the head of the man of war. He's beloved by the people and eventually will become king, as is so fitting for him. He's loved by the people. He's a great man of courage and a great man of God. So David, who would later reign as king in the old Jerusalem, the old city of peace, brings the head of Goliath there, showing that God's people Israel have peace, even if it's just for a time. And though Satan, in the end, doesn't have his head brought into the new Jerusalem where the Lord reigns, he is still defeated. 
And because of the defeat of him and his followers, there is peace. And this time it's forever more. For that total, complete peace, there has to be war. But once that, once that day comes and that war is over, what a day that will be. What a day that will be. Are you on God's side? Or are you opposed to Him? Are you aligned with Him? Or are you His enemy? Because what this story teaches us is that things don't go well for God's enemies. Because of God, someone like David, who with, with, with just the stone and a sling, and, and remember, that's not, a, that's not a slingshot, right? It, it's a sling that you spin around. Uh, so it's definitely still a deadly thing. But when you see him against this massive man with a massive um, spear, with massive armor, it does look like he's at a massive disadvantage. It needs basically perfect accuracy to do anything. Uh, but because of God, someone like David, with just a stone in a sling, can take out that massive foe Goliath with there being no contest. Like we saw, there was, there was no contest. There wasn't even a fight. It was just, uh, hit the rock in his head, he's, he's done. You know? Don't be against God. There's no contest. God also has the power to just take Satan and put him away for a thousand years, and later on, take Satan and put him into the lake of fire forever. There is no contest when you're against God. When you're his enemy, you will fail. You know, maybe it won't be right away. Satan's been going strong for a long time. There are people in this world who are evil and have a lot of success, but when the time comes, they'll have to face God. And that is not a good place to be. So put yourself on God's side, you know? And it's not like he doesn't want you there. He came to earth and died on the cross for your sins so that you could be on his side, so that you could be reconciled to him. He rose again from the dead, conquering death, so now you have that opportunity to be a part of that everlasting peace in the end that we're talking about in the new Jerusalem, the new city of peace. He invites you to his side if you but surrender to him, right? Acknowledging your sin and deciding to turn from it and instead follow Jesus, putting your faith in him and his work. That puts you on his side. So if you're not already there, please consider it. Because you don't want to be counted as his enemy. He is the conqueror, right? He is the one you need to surrender to. But in a twist of fate, he died so you could be on his side, right? He's a different kind of conqueror. He's one with love for his enemies. For us who are on his side, I would encourage you to look at the example of David. You know, this is someone after God's own heart. This is someone with strong faith in God. This is someone who knew that even though the circumstance seemed to be against him, he knew that God was with him, right? So I encourage us to look to that example and to lean on God, praying to him 
uh, to help build our faith and to help build our, our courage. You know, because without God's help, we're just going to be afraid or, or in despair or, or, or hopeless like the rest of the Israelite army who wouldn't fight Goliath. But just like David knew he needed God, let's also know our need and go to God and, and pray to him and lean on him, right? As David says, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. So let's lean on the Lord during the battles that we face, you know, knowing that he will come through. And sometimes, you know, sometimes he comes through in a way where we don't see it at all. You know, we might still face hard times, and the only guarantee of seeing good times is after we die or, or if we're raptured. But we can still be confident in his promise of eternal life, of eternal peace that is to come. And we can be confident that we are not alone and that he is with us, even in hard, even in hard times. And even if, if the hard times don't go away, he is still with us in the midst of them. There are many battles. There are many wars. Some are not necessary at all. But there's definitely one, there's definitely one that is, the war to end all wars, the war that will finally bring total peace. For those who continue as enemies of God, there's ultimate defeat at that war. But for those on his side who have their trust in Jesus and know him, there is victory. And with that victory, there is total peace in that new city of peace, the new Jerusalem. Bow with me in prayer. Lord, you are wonderful. You are wonderful. You are the conqueror. If we're on your side, that's such good news because we know how powerful you are. That's, that's good news for us, but Lord, help us to spread that news so that more people can join your ranks, join your side, and join you forever. And in the end, be the ones who have peace. God, I thank you that, uh, you know, we're not saved by our own works, we're not saved by our own strength, we're not saved by our own might, but we're saved by our faith, by your grace because of our faith in you, Jesus. And that's such an amazing thing, and uh, yeah. I just thank you that it's not reserved for people who are, are, are good enough, because really that's, that's nobody. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, Jesus, again, for all that you've done for us, dying on the cross, rising again, making that way possible for us to be on your side, to be forgiven of our sins, to be allowed into heaven forever, the new Jerusalem. Thank you so much, Jesus. There's so much to thank you for, and I just pray that, uh, that we would be thankful. Um, and I pray, too, that, again, we would 
look to you and have our faith built. Um, pray to you that our faith would be built uh, for times of, of, of where we need courage, where we need uh, strength and, and endurance and perseverance. I pray that we would look to you for that in the name of Jesus, and I pray that you would deliver in the name of Jesus. And uh, I thank you, Lord, that you are with us as believers um, throughout everything. And, and I know it's not always what we want, and it's not always, um, you know, easy. Like, we go through some horrible, horrible, hard times on this earth. But God, even though we do, I thank you that you're with us. And I thank you that you'll never leave us. Lord, we have you forever and ever. Like, after we die, we have you for eternity afterward. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for that. That's such an amazing thing to look forward to. That's such an amazing thing. And I just thank you again for this. And, uh, yeah, you know, you know what we need. And I just pray that we meet our needs. Uh, in the name of Jesus, amen. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever.